Welcome to Is My Board Ready Yet? My name is Jason Andre, and I'll be taking you into the sheds of local and legendary surfboard shapers from around the world. We'll be talking foam, fins, and folklore, so put on your dust mask, and please stop asking. Hey, is my uh, board ready yet? Welcome to another episode of Is My Board Ready Yet? Today we sit down and talk with Uncle Mike Walter of Uncle Mike Surfboards, or Michael Walter Surfboards, or 2113 Surfboards, or Super Brand, depending on what year you're looking. Uncle Mike started shaping boards in the late 80s, and I actually got a couple under my feet in the mid-2000s. His boards became surprisingly popular over here on the East Coast due to a mutual friend of ours, and we spent some time talking about some of the designs that he's dreamed up, and specifically the X-Fish, which Jesus helped him design, and I know there's a lot of people looking forward to that board getting resurrected, uh, <laughs> including possibly Tom Curran. Uncle Mike is probably the most friendly, down-to-earth, mellow guy you will ever meet. And if you ever get a chance to go visit him out there on Oceanside and discover his little backyard paradise, he's even got a bunch of bamboo plants growing. So if you need to chop one down and make yourself a didgeridoo, that may even be in the cards. So without further ado, Uncle Mike of Mike Walter Surfboards. Here we go. Welcome to another episode of Is My Board Ready Yet? I am delighted to be here over the phone with a Southern California underground legend. His name is Uncle Mike Walter, and he's based in Oceanside, California. Good morning, Uncle Mike. How you doing, buddy? Good, good. Good morning. I guess it's morning there. It's uh, midday here, so I'm having my midday coffee. That's funny. I'm drinking iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah. It's been a long time since we've uh spoken. I think a lot's gone on on uh, your life over there. Tell our listeners a little bit about where you're from and where you are now. I was born and raised here in Southern California. I started shaping surfboards actually in Texas. I shaped my first surfboard. I was visiting there and uh Texas. In Texas, yeah. I was down in Michoacan, and I met some guys down there and uh, from Texas. I didn't know they had surf in Texas at that time. And uh, so I, they were telling me about it, so I went over there to see them after I left Mexico. And uh, we ended up ripping some glass off some longboards over there and shaped us up some boards, a guy that was across the street from where I was staying, and uh, I got to ride it one time, and then we lost it. When I came back to California, I met my wife, and uh, we decided to make some boards, and that's where it all started. Gotcha. So what? how old were you when you started surfing? I was, I think, like in sixth, seventh grade, something like that. Okay. And were you in Oceanside? I was living in Claremont, 
when we were skateboarding to the, to the Pacific Beach on uh, two by fours with steel wheels. <laughs> and uh, that's where I started. Yeah. Started off riding those uh, canvas surf mats, and, and some of the older guys around there had some boards and leather gear on them. And that was the first time I surfed, yeah. So that's when you started surfing. Um, what year was it when you shaped that first board? I think I shaped the surfboard, shaped the first one in uh, probably the late 70s. And then I, you know, got more serious about it probably the late 90s. Oh, wow. So 20 years went by. I mean, the late, late, late 80s. I'm sorry. Okay. Late 80s. Yeah. But still, did you shape any boards in the interim, like between that? No, no. I had just shaped that one surfboard, and then I got together with my wife, and I said, "Let's go," because she surfs also. And I said, "Let's go buy some new surfboards." And I had met her because uh, she was running a construction company for her dad, working in the office. She ended up getting a job bonus, so um, I said, "Let's let's go buy some boards." And she goes, I thought you said you could do anything. And I go, well, I can. She goes, well, then make us some boards. <laughs> so it was her idea. <laughs> and then all my nephews started wanting them. So, and all their friends and everybody called me Uncle Mike. Well, actually, they got in high school and they were all calling me UM. And so it was just natural that I uh, started putting UM on the surfboards. So that's how that got started. Very cool. So did you have any mentors or anybody you looked up to as you started producing boards? Like those, I'm always curious about those first few boards. Like where did you get the template for them? What did you shape? And, uh, you know, did you have anybody guiding you? Uh, no, there was no one really around to guide me. I mean, there was plenty of shapers around, but, but no one, you know, I, I remember going, asking some people and uh, they told me you know, I mean they weren't interested in showing me anything so I just said I'll do it myself so wait they didn't want to show you anything <laughs> no they they really weren't interested in showing anyone it, you know I only talked to a couple guys and, and they were, yeah. they didn't seem interested and I wasn't going to push it and yeah so I just, I mean you you've got a bunch of really big time shapers down there in southern California where the, is there anyone you want to throw under the bus? <laughs> no. Was it one of the big guys? <laughs> no, I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Everyone's really cool. I uh, I just uh, pretty much dug it out of the dirt. You know, and, and it's more fun. That's that's why, you know, by digging it out of the dirt, I didn't mind getting out of the box either. And then what did you base those first few boards off of? Did you have like an old favorite that you pulled your first template from? Yeah, it was uh, actually a Greg Sarch board that my wife had. And we took a template off of that. And from there, it just turned into a collection of curves. You know, and, and that that's pretty much all it is, is a collection of curves. So, you know, I was constantly grabbing curves off of different boards and if I just saw a good curve on something I would copy it you know and then I would put them together and make boards 
That's cool. Any in particular that like you still use today that were just kind of like the magic nose or the magic tail or anything like that? Uh, I think the most magic board was probably the X-Fish. Mm. Just, just because of the way that the whole thing happened. It was, it was kind of a real story on that. I, I was dreaming about this particular shape and, and I pretty much when I was laying it out, I knew what the nose was going to look like and, and the center, but I couldn't quite put the tail together. And I was, you know, I always, when I'm shaping, I'm always talking to Jesus, you know, so I'm a Christian and I was uh, just, you know, talking to him and saying, what should I do with this tail? And I dropped a tool and it made a mark on the palm. And it was a perfect, um, you know, point, you know, where, where you would like market in carpentry. And so I go, oh, okay, let's check that out. And it, it really made a trippy tail on, on the board. And I just went, yeah, I'm going to go with it. And uh, so I finished that board up and gave it to team riders and, you know, my amateur team, and, and they were doing really well. They were winning a lot of contests and stuff. And at the time, I lived close to Surfride, so the owner of Surfride was coming by and asking me if I would, you know, put my boards in his shop because he, I guess he knew that I was selling them out, you know, from right behind his shop. So, you know, I at first I wasn't interested, and then later I went, yeah, you know, maybe I'll go up there. And he said, and bring your team in, we'll put them on our team. And so I, I went over and, and got the boards in and then took the team over. And, and then Sean Madison and Joey Baran were uh, running the team and were running the shop. And they explained to my team how the board didn't work. And so they freaked the team out and they quit riding the board. And... Uh, Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> the guys who wanted to sell your boards at their shop got the boards in their shop, got your team on board, and then told your team that your boards don't work? Well, they just really didn't like the shape. It, it wasn't they wanted me in the shop so much. The owner wanted me in the shop. But, they, you know, it was a, a really... You know, it was nothing like anyone else's board. So yeah, I remember seeing it for the first time. It's kind of bizarre looking. It, it, yeah, it almost looks like the wide point is a third of the way up from the tail. And the first few times that I saw it, I was like, "That does look super weird." There's no way that that thing can possibly work any good. And and you explained that to me as just kind of being a mirage, right? Right. And um, so. What happened is, is it was the the project was just about dead, you know, because the team wasn't riding them, and if the team wasn't riding them, then other people weren't going to want to ride them, even though they worked really good. And then I was shaping in my shop, and it was uh, I think it was like around ten o'clock or something like that in the evening, and a friend came by with Tom Kern, and and Tom Kern. Goes, I heard you had a, a board here, a special board. And, and and let me back up a little bit. His drummer and his band was coming to a Bible study that I was having at my house. 
And he didn't go to church and he didn't surf, but for some reason he was at my house, you know, coming to the Bible study. <laughs> and and I was telling a friend about this ward and he overheard us. And I guess he told Tom about this ward and why Tom listened to him. I have no idea because he doesn't serve. So Tom comes to my house. And, uh, and so I, I got the board to show Tom and had one of the fins broke off of it. It, it was the only one I had. And he said he wanted to try it. So I built him one, you know, pretty quick because we had a glass shop here and stuff. And uh, and I called Tom and told him it was ready. And it was probably a month later that Tom showed up to pick the board up. And uh, he took the board and, and wrote it. And then we were going to an outreach that night. Joey Duran was speaking at that outreach. And uh, Tom and I... I asked Tom if he wanted to go, and he goes, sure. And so we were driving to the outreach, and Tom said that he had a check, you know, that uh, he was given, you know, with a contract to ride for someone else. And he said that uh, he hadn't cashed the check, and he hasn't signed the contract yet. He was one to tear him up, and he said he wanted to ride my boards. What year was that? 96. I think it was 96, 97. So the project uh, got new life. Then uh, finally, uh, Sean Madison rode one of those boards, the X-Fish, and, and he said, you know, that should be called the A-Fish. And I was like shocked. I goes, are you okay? And he goes, I can give it up. Because I never knew Sean could do that, but he goes, I can give it up. That board's insane. So, so they had they had never wrote it before that. So, anyways, that's probably the best board I think that I've made. And you didn't know Tom before that, did you? No, I never met him or anything until he showed up that night. I when I opened the door, it's just like Tom. <laughs> like, what are you doing here? You got the wrong address, bro. <laughs> Yeah, shouldn't you be taller? <laughs> you know? With with flames coming out your arse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he should have been seven foot tall, you know. <laughs> the William Wallace of surfing. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, but, but at the outreach, uh, Tom actually uh, uh, committed himself to the Lord at the outreach with Joey there. It's, it's, so the, I think it was all the lord so very cool man for anybody that wants to get on an x fish how how big should they order them if i ride like a 6-0 thruster typically um where where am i gonna where do i want my x fish to kind of land you would probably want to go to a 5-8 and x fish okay and uh if you contact me, you know, I'll, I'll kind of work out the dimensions. What we've done in the past is you knock off four to five inches, keep your thickness, and we widen them, you know, add width to it. Now with the boards, the way they're making with wider noses and, and thicker, um, you know, we, we'd still keep the I mean, wider boards. We might not put as much width on it as we used to, but... Uh, but if you contact me, you know, we can work out. Cool. 
So are you doing purely custom shapes at the moment, or are you stocking them anywhere? No, it's all customs. Yeah. And the orders are flooding in, right? Well, they're not flooding. I mean, we just got started. I, I don't think most people know I'm even back. I haven't called, uh, you know, I've only told a few people that I've run into, actually. Cool. But that's keeping you busy enough at the moment to. Yeah. We're, you know, I'm busy. I, you know, I'm not sure how busy I really want to be. So. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I want to play. You know, I want to get in the water and I want to play golf and, you know, I don't want to stress. Yeah, I've never known you to stress ever. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't. I think it's overrated. So, you made me a few boards, and that was probably, I want to say, ten or fifteen years ago. It's the last time I got a board from you. Does that sound accurate? Yeah, that's probably right. And you were introduced to me through my friend Dennis Weiler up in New Jersey, who has been obsessed with your boards since I've known him. And um, it wasn't until very recently that you, well, I should back up, you stopped shaping for a while, which is why you and I haven't connected in a while. And then I recently saw something that Dennis posted and you're shaping again. So what happened and where'd you go and when did you come back? Well, I I sold UM surfboards and the Sugar Milk Glass Company. And uh, then we started the uh, super brand. And uh, and then I, I left the company right after that. And I left with the right to compete. So I started the 2113 brand. We did the launch party in Japan. We thought that 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 would be a good idea. Uh, you know, we had Neos fairly well known over there. So we started in Japan, did our trade show, and we got a lot of uh, orders. And then the tsunami hit about a week after that and wiped out everything that we had invested in. Wow. And so at that point, I was, you know, thinking, well, maybe I'll go into construction. You know, it's kind of, you know, burnout on the surfboard thing. So I started a construction company and I worked that for, I don't know, seven, eight years, something like that. And then I retired out of that. And, you know, I still occasionally get a call for a surfboard now and then. And I was in Idaho visiting our kids at Christmas. And I got a call and I... Um, decided I would start shaping again. So I'm a couple months into it now. So you've only been shaping again for two months. Right. You know, we're we're doing good, you know, getting some orders. And, uh, you know, I'm just having fun with it. It's, it's good to be back. All the old players are still there. And, and it's fun, you know, just being back in the, in the business, you know, making some surfboards. And I called Dennis, and he was our, Dennis Weiler was our, East Coast rep, and uh, I just called him because he had been bugging me about shaping a board. And if I ever shaped again, he wanted one, so I called him to let him know I was going to shape. And then, you know, he's the one that uh, started promoting them again. That's awesome. 
And, it, it, you know, it's just fun because now I talk to Dennis almost every day and it, it's fun being back uh, involved in it. And I have, you know, Chip Bynum and, and uh, Josh out here that, you know, I talk with a lot and they're helping. And, you know, so it, it's fun. Yeah, I'm having a really good time. Right on. Are you back at full production size from where you were when you kind of got out of it? No, no. We're just putting things together right now, designing a few new boards. And also then we have about 60 other models that are in our library with KKL in the computer so that we can get those copied. Cool. Yeah. So we're just, you know, getting the word out that we're back at it. Right on. And, and right now it sounds like everything's really booming. I didn't I didn't even know that until I got back into the <laughs> business, but it's hard to get things through because it's you know, there's so many boards being made. Yeah, it seems like there's uh, a shortage of everything right now uh, with COVID having kind of taken over a lot of the outdoor recreation spaces, mountain bikes, surfboards, you know, they all all of a sudden became sold out and hard to get. And uh, that seems to be a common theme. So you're you're jumping in at a good time, I guess. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good time or what, but I mean, we're having fun and, and it's just good to be back and, and making some boards. It, it's fun making boards for people that enjoy them. But I know with the COVID, it's, it's really forced everyone outside, which they should be anyway. So yeah, playing golf later on today. <laughs> Hard to find golf clubs? No, I like my old golf clubs, but it, it's hard to get on a get a tee time. It's not the same as it was. Everything's going off outside, outdoors, all sporting things. So Yeah. So are we going to see a return of the X-Fish? Do you still have all those old designs ready to roll out? Oh, yeah. I, I, that's one of the boards I'm making, mainly guns and X-Fishes. So. Okay, cool. And then, you know, we have... Uh, some other boards, the SA is popular, and and then we have a new board coming out called the uh, Tabusio. What does that mean? Well, Tabusio is uh, it comes from uh, a Mexican name. When I was down in Mexico, there was uh, a, a gringo with a pretty funny gringo name, and. Uh, I was telling that we were talking about it with this Mexican guy, and I said, "Are there any uh, funny Mexican names?" And he goes, "Oh yeah, he goes like Tabucio. It's like <laughs> the worst Mexican name." <laughs> and so, so that's the name of this new board. But it's it's a, you know, it's a X fish with a block tail on it. Okay. So it's it's one of the X series boards. We've made several boards from that design, you know, uh, Rex and X-Fish, and now we have a Tabusio. We're excited about that, seeing how it works. So it, it's just coming out. Is there a literal translation? Do we get the literal translation, or is it just uh, we're just going to leave it at Tabusio and dream about Mexican tube riding? Well, it's it's, uh, it's a groveler, you know. It's it's like okay. it's like an X-Fish. And, and, you know, the X-Fish, have you ridden one yourself? Man, you know what? I don't think I ever got on one. I think I was stuck in my 5'10 to 6' squash tail uh, 
<laughs> phase that lasted most of my life. Yeah. Well, the the X fish is a fish, but it actually goes rail to rail, and and it really works like a short board. But uh, it has a C five. You know, there's five pins on it. Uh-huh. They make it a little drivier, but not everyone uses the C5s. Uh, we, I made some for the Homoi brothers, and and they always had the C5s. Um, the Kern brothers, I don't think they ever put them in the Ford. You know, it's kind of an option. A lot of people think it makes it uh, quite a bit drivier. I like the C5s in them myself. When we first made it, it was a little slidey, so we put the C5s in and it, and it uh, gave it more drive. So that's where that came from. And the C5s are, did that stem out of the Rusty 5-fin? Rusty had C5s. It's been quite a while, so I'm not real positive what my thinking was. And, and when I came up with it, it could have been from either one of those. But, I, you know, it's just... When we first made it, it was a thruster, and, and like I said, it was you know a little bit slidey, and it, you know we might have put bigger fins in it. You know, I decided that we'd go with the C5s, and, and Rusty called them C5s. So yeah, did you ever test it out as just a straight quad? Uh, yes, yeah, we made the Quadra X, and it had a different tail on it. It had a tail on it that uh, that I actually designed. It was it was in my shaping room for about four years and then when we decided to go with the quad i put that tail on it and i I called it a flight tail it was kind of round with some wings coming out half round with the wings coming out and then i took that to a trade show and then a couple months after the trade show then rusty had a two-page spread with that tail on one of his boards and he was calling it a rocket tail (laughs) so (laughs) <laughs> so i guess what goes around comes around you know? <laughs> yeah that's cool <laughs> you know every, everybody's watching everybody so it's a compliment you know when you know when someone uses something that you're doing I, i'm totally good with it so most of us backyard shapers we tend to you know find one of these big name boards and pull our templates off of those so it's cool to see somebody like rusty find Somebody like you, not that you're any less, please don't take that as an insult, but to like create something from something they see that looks good. That is, that is definitely a, a massive compliment. So that, that's what happened with that tail. So that was, a, that was a nice contribution to the surfing world. But we've, you know, we've gone on and designed some really good guns and, you know, some good short boards and we've had, you know, some pretty good team riders and they were you know, ripping around the world. So Yeah, who uh any anyone of note on the old team, aside from Tom Curran? <laughs> Besides Tom Curran. Oh, let me think. Um, you guys had Rob Kelly for a while, didn't you? Both the Kelly brothers? Yeah, we got you know, Rob Kelly, the Wells boys, um, Julian Wilson, Kalohe, Brian Craig. Clay Marzo. Was that before or after you you took on the super brand? Uh, that was um, partially during and during UM and as we started the super brand. We, uh, we started the super brand with uh, 
I think Rye Craig, Justice, I can't think of his first name, Kalohe, and uh, I think that was that's where we started the Super Friend with those guys. But I, I noticed the the boards today, they're, they have a lot more volume to them. Very cool. Than we had back in those days. But Kalohe and Julian Wilson, when I built them boards, they liked a lot more volume. And, uh, and they were young guys, you know, most of the young guys were uh, wanting thinner and thinner and smaller and smaller, but these guys actually had some, some thickness and, and some width and, and a little more length on the boards. So I guess the rest of the guys finally caught up to them. Yeah, that's really cool. When you left Superbrand, what, at what point did 2113 come on, which is basically just the letter U and the letter M in the alphabet, right? Right. Uh-huh. Uh, the 2113 started pretty much immediately mm. as soon as I left. You know, we started that up because, uh, you know, I was able to leave with the right to compete. So that was that was a good thing. Yeah. But I'm... It didn't work out real good for me, but, <laughs> but it was a good thing. So here I am now, uh, coming back into it. And now we're just using our signature logo. It's our logo. Back to the old UM, huh? Well, it's the it's not UM. It's it's just Michael Walter now. Okay. It's the signature that was always on all my boards through all the different logos that we have on the board so it's the oldest logo on the board yeah i may have to uh finally get one of those x fishes you should i've been uh experimenting with all kinds of weird stuff over here lately and then starting to shape again myself so i'm always playing around with different ideas and i guess i just i get bored pretty easily now and want to jump on something different so might have to put in the order speaking of orders where uh how do, how do people get boards from you these days? Do they just can I just pass out your cell phone number? <laughs> do you have a website up or Instagram or what's going on? Well, we have an Instagram, but you can always just uh, you know right now it's call my phone number. <laughs> yeah, and I, I think you can find that on the Instagram. Do you have a new website up? Are you going to have order forms on there or what? no? We we haven't. Are you serious? Do you want me to pass out your cell phone number? <laughs> Oh, yeah, you could do that for sure. Okay. You ready yeah. for the thousands of subscribers that I don't have to call you? And <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we'll grow together. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, I get a lot of, uh, you know, the, the text is the best just because I know what you're up to. There's, you know, we get a lot of calls for junk calls. So it's probably best to shoot a text. The email works too it's uncle mike walter at aol.com okay cool are you primarily just using uh polyurethane blanks and polyester resin or are you doing any kind of eps or anything else polyurethane and and uh i do some epoxy so most of the stuff that i make is is performance gotcha so are you doing all the glassing yourself no i'm contracting out the glassing now okay because you had the sugar mill glassing prior Right. Yeah. I, I don't think I, I will, I don't plan to have a glass shop again, but you know, you never know. There's things I haven't planned that happen. So, but I have no plans of that. Gotcha. Are you doing any of the glassing yourself? Do you ever get into laminating? 
I laminated it a long time ago, but I use the glass as my board's complete myself. But uh, now I don't. I know. Once I had the glass shop, I was just shaping, so I didn't have time. Gotcha. If you hadn't become a shaper, what do you think you would be doing right now? Would you have just started construction and stayed in construction, or that's hard to say because I've done a lot of different things. You know, I, I don't know why, but I just always thought that I could do whatever I wanted to do. You know, like if something came up, I, you know, I started a painting business and I never painted. I don't think I ever painted a house or a room, <laughs> but if there was a need there, a way to make money. You know, I, I did that for a while. I was, I was down in Mexico and they were wanting to build a, a hotel and, uh, they needed some block layers or rock. We were building out of rock. And, and I told them, oh, I can do that. So I got a crew of, of uh, surfers down there and we started putting rock, uh, their rock walls together, digging uh, well. And, you know, we were making $25 a piece a day. And uh, it turned out terrible. I mean, the, <laughs> the, the, real, the real rock builders down there. They liked it when we didn't do much because they had to tear all of our stuff apart and go past us, you know, the next day. So, <laughs> but, but we got to stay down in Mexico and surf. <laughs> yeah, twenty-five bucks goes a long way down there. Yeah. Yeah, it did back then. It was in the seventies, so it, it worked out real good. It was a, it was an American guy bringing in the money, and and he didn't know what a good block guy looked like or what it looked like. And he didn't know any more than I did. So, you know, he bought it. And then the Mexicans, they couldn't speak English to tell him that we weren't any good. So it worked out. We got to stay down there for a while. So we spent about a year down there. So it made a good run. Is that where the name Tubosio came from? Because they would just start calling you derogatory names every time they went back behind you and had to redo <laughs> <do> your work. <laughs> Could have, <laughs> it could have, it, you know, we had a crazy crew. These guys were just, you know, some Texans and some Californians and just a bunch of wild boys. I went on guys worked in a, a pair of panties down there. <laughs> he, he, he had split his, his baggies, the back of his baggies open and, and there was a pair of panties laying on the beach and, and he grabbed this pair of panties oh and he goes from now on, these are, these are my work clothes. <laughs> oh my god! I bet that went over real well with the uh, the Mexican crews too. Hey. Oh, we had so many laughs. <laughs> Where were you guys? How were the waves down there? Oh, it's good. It's Puerto Escondido. Oh wow! Yeah, it's right there, right in front of the beach break. What was that place like back in the seventies? It was fun. You know, there was there was. Uh, you know, you pretty much just surfed in the morning. You had to walk to the to the point through Miguel's peanut field. And wow. It was, I don't know, like three miles or something like that. It was a long walk down there. There was nothing down there. You had to bring your own water and stuff. And, uh, yeah, it was, I mean, there, there was no town. I heard there was a town down there now. I haven't been back in a long time. My brother was down there and he, he said it's probably best to keep your memories. So it wasn't wasn't too sketchy back then, huh? 
No, no, it was it was pretty nice. I I did put a fin through my leg, and and I had a, a doctor down there, uh, Francisco, <clears throat> sewed my leg up. But I had met uh, a guy named Adolfo Rodez, who was a med student in Mexico, and he went with me when when uh, Francisco sewed my leg up, and he told me I had to go home because Francisco hadn't done anything right. <laughs> and oh, man. so by the time I got home and went into some surgery, they said I almost lost my leg. Wow. But, yeah. But, I mean, he was a, Francisco was a good friend, you know, and, and if it hadn't have been very awful, I would have just stayed down there and lost my leg probably because, you know, he had nice clean bandages on it and gave me some, you know, good drugs and everything. I was comfortable. So. Hmm. But it awful insisted that I go home, so I did. And it worked out. I got to keep my leg. <laughs> <laughs> Added bonus. Yeah, yeah. So something I like to ask shapers that have kind of been around for a while is, um, what was it like when Clark Foam shut down, being right there in your backyard? What did you do? How did it affect you? It didn't affect affect me as bad as it did a lot of people uh, because mm-hmm. Grubby was, uh, you know, he, he treated his good customers good and he, you know, if you crossed him, he just cut you off, you know, like if you didn't pay your bills or, you know, whatever. But I got three truckloads of foam uh, delivered to my shop after he broke his, his molds and got rid of everything and shut down. So that kept me going until I had put together a deal with Xanadu and we were bringing in uh, containers from Brazil. And it was Texel foam. And that, that happened, we got on that pretty early on. First, I was getting some foam from South Africa with some other guys and they cut me out of the action. And it turned out to be a good thing because that foam turned out to be really bad foam. Then I hooked up with Xanadu and we started bringing these containers in out of Brazil and, and that was really good foam. So I really never, ever skipped a beat in that whole thing. Wow. Wow. So wait, Clark shut down, the, the, the news came over the wire and all of a sudden three truckloads of blanks showed up at your shop? At different times. You know, like a truck would come by and give me a bunch of foam and then another truck come by. And they were, it was just a variety of pack of, of foam. All the stuff that I had ordered before was all custom rockers and everything. But this would just come, you know, a variety pack of, of foam that he had in his, his factory. So Wow, just whatever was left over. Yeah, it's like three, three more times. And, and I could use it all. You know, it was good foam. It was Clark foam, so... So we, we made it work until we uh, got the Texel foam coming in from Brazil. Were you already cutting boards out of the machine at that point? Yeah, we were hooked up with KKL, and we would shape something. If it was magic, then we would take it over there and get it analyzed and, and then get a program for it. So I, I had quite a library already. So it helped me out because with the variety pack of foam that we were getting, I could still get that cut on the machine. So it didn't matter which blanks you ended up with in that in those extra trucks, you could just cut anything out of it anyway. Yeah, that's the way it worked out. 
you know, you might have more scrap or, you know, you have to, uh, I don't know, they, they were the ones cutting them. They had to figure it out. But, yeah, we, we got it all working. You know, and there were different weights and stuff. You know, so, you know, we would try for the team stuff. We'd try to grab the lightweight stuff, and you know. But it, it all worked out, and then we got the Texel, and it was really nice. That's cool, man. So I guess I guess that means you were one of the good customers that always paid on time. Well, I never had met Grubby, and, and uh, I talked to him one time on the phone, and that was after he was out of business. But the way that we did it is every week I would put in an order, and, and then I'd have, and it would be delivered the next week, and I'd pay my bill, you know. And, and, uh, and he, he ran a really good show. I was, you know, really happy working with him and, and he had good problem. I mean, he had some problems because of the EPA would, uh, you know, change his formula. And we ended up with blow through during a season. And, you know, we just worked around it, you know, solar as the bottoms. And when you say blow through, what do you mean? It was uh, blowing gases through the bottoms of the boards. And oh, wow. You would have pinholes that would take on water, but they wouldn't release any water. So, you had to stop that, so so we would use solar as on the bottom of the shape, and and then glass it, and um, that worked. And, and we had a, uh, I think we had a backyard factory at that time, so we had a trampoline in the backyard that we could go out and set the shapes on and and cure them. <laughs> and, and so, you know, some people got really upset about it, and you know, we just did what we had to do. And never complained, and he fixed it. We knew that he didn't like it any more than we liked it. You know, yeah. he finally got figured out formula right, and um, so we went on, and, and things cleared up, and it was all good. But yeah, if you paid your bills, and then then when I finally talked to Grubby's after they went out of business, I because I was ordering all custom blanks, and so I called up there to get some rocket profiles. And uh, Grubby answered the phone, and so I got to thank him, and uh, you know, for you know all the business and stuff, and you know, for the, wow. the thanks and you know the extras that he sent me, and and he thanked me for you know being a good customer, and he talked a little bit about his ranch that he had bought in Wyoming, very cool, or Montana, I'm not sure which one it was, but yeah, I guess he has a cattle ranch up there. Very cool. And so, what? And at what point did you switch from hand shaping to using the machines? Because you, since I've known you, you've always had the had the machine shapes that you then finish off. You know, I would hand shape in between when I was designing something because you had to design the board by hand and and you know and then test it and see if it worked. And if it worked, then you took it over and got it analyzed. So I think it was probably. During the 90s, around 98, 99, something like that, I think is when I really started moving things over. Um, but at first, the, the machines were like top secret. You, know, you couldn't know about them. You know? I had a, a friend, he was doing a roof on a house, and he saw one of the machines in, out, out in Vista. And... Uh, so we went out to check it out, and we were walking around. And the guy that was running the machine was telling us all about it. But then the owner came out and chased us off, and got our got our license plate numbers and stuff. And 
you know, it was, you know, no one, yeah, no one wanted anybody to see what they were like. And, and then I, I went over to Hawaii and I was, was going to do some shaping over there and, uh, they had a machine and, uh, they, I'm not sure if they wanted me to run the machine or if I was going to be hand shaping or what I was going to do there. But uh, I went there with an Australian friend of mine and, and the guy, I went by appointment because they had called me to see if I would do this. So I, I went over to see what they had going on. And I brought this Australian friend with me and, and they were showing us the machine. And I said, so anyone can come and, look at this machine and they said no absolutely not only if you're invited and they said that absolutely no Australian would ever see this machine <laughs> <laughs> and my friend luckily had not said anything and uh, he, and he kept his Wait, mouth he was shut. standing there during this conversation? Yeah, yeah. But they hadn't heard his accent yet? No, they hadn't heard his accent yet. <laughs> And we, we got outside, we had a good laugh over that. And and then I just went home. I thought I wasn't interested in, in what they had going. It was it was such a big factory. You had to punch codes to get through um, doors and stuff. And it it, it it wasn't my idea of going to Hawaii and shaping boards. Wow, level five clearance. Yeah. Was your friend uh was your friend a shaper? The Australian? Yeah. Uh, no, but he, he was really interested in seeing the machine because he wanted to do one in Australia. Ah, there it is. (laughs) And he he was, he was an older guy, you know, he was, he was probably maybe 15 years older than I was, you know, and, and he, that was his whole, whole intention was to see the machine to find out what they, what kind of machine it was so that he could go back to Australia so that must have been the, what they knew. So I, I, no way. Yeah. So I, you know, I was just, you know, now everyone has machines. So it's probably because of that meeting. <laughs> okay. So we don't have to cut this part of the podcast out. <laughs> yeah. So, so he wasn't a shaper. He was, he was what, just an investor looking to, to, kind of expand the surfboard industry in Australia? Yeah. I, I didn't really think there was any big deal about it the whole thing you know i i told him yeah i'm gonna go over and you know they have a machine they're gonna show me this machine and uh and he goes well i want to go with you i want to see what this machine is and i go yeah no problem i didn't think wow. anything of it so we went over there and met him and, you know and then they told me that and uh, he kept his mouth shut you know <laughs> so they they didn't know he was australian and i'm like i didn't know how how secret it was supposed to be but that—that's just how secret the machines were back in those days. Wow, that's pretty funny. Now, now it's it's no secret anymore. So no. How far out is your lead time right now for making boards? If uh, somebody wants to order one from you, right now we can uh, get them through in about a month, month and a half. Okay. And are you shipping nationally, internationally? Yes. Local pickup only? No, we're, we're shipping. We're just putting that all together, too. There's just a lot of parts, you know, put together. You know, we're, we're getting everything together. Right now, I have uh, several boards to ship. So Cool. Has uh, Julian and Kolohe called you yet? No, no. It surprised me. No one's called. 
<laughs> That's all right. I'll I'll give him your number, man. Yeah. We'll, we'll get yeah. him back on board. Yeah. What can we look forward to from you in the near and distant future? How how hard are you going to ramp up production, and what kind of other designs are you working on? Well, we're all you know always working on you know something new and and fun. So we have a couple new models uh, coming out right now. We've only been at it for a couple months, so. You know, there's, there should be some new, fun, exciting things. You hear the choo-choo train in the back? Oh, yeah. yeah. We definitely heard the choo-choo train. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's in between me and the beach. Yeah, I'm about a block and a half from the beach. Well, you've been here, haven't you? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah. I remember uh, staying there with my dad um, years ago. And uh, surfing out front of the house there, it was it was pretty fun. And I remember your backyard was like a little Hawaiian paradise. There's like bamboo grown. Didn't I make? I think I made a didgeridoo out of one of your bamboo plants, didn't I? <laughs> Last time I was out there. Oh, that was you that did that. You know, <laughs> yeah. Kim, Kim asked me if you were the one that made the didgeridoo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You cut a couple of the bamboos off, and you were <laughs> uh, doing them to a certain note. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Okay, that you're the guy. I'm the guy. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you made a couple good reviews here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you riding these days? Uh, I I have a a six nine, and uh, I've got a six zero X fish. Haven't been on that for a while, but I'd like to get back on that. Uh, I have some long boards. Been body whomping. Yeah. Yeah, and having fun doing that. You know, it reminds me of when I was a kid fishing with water. Do you, uh, you got a good hand plane to use? No, no, I don't even use fins. I'm just out there getting some body whopping in, having, having fun playing in the water. Nice, man. As long as you're in the water and having fun, you know, that's what it's all about. Well, I think there's a lot of guys on the East Coast here that are definitely looking forward to getting some of your boards in their hands. Uh, one in particular, Dennis Weiler, who we mentioned earlier, um, who I think he started your Instagram account for you. So I feel like we need to give Dennis a call and bring him in on this conversation real quick. Oh, yeah. So uh, give me one second. Yo, Jay. Hey, what's up, Dennis? What's up, man? How you doing, old buddy? Good. Hey, Dennis. Is that Uncle? I got a it's got uncle on the phone here and uh, we're doing a little podcast and Woo! your name kept coming up so I figured we'd give you a call and uh touch base and see how you are uh see how you're doing and see what's going on with the resurrection of Uncle Mike surfboards. Right on. So how you doing? Good. Real good. Friday. Stoked. Nice. So uh it was because of you that I saw that Mike was uh, getting things going again and it must have been your Instagram account um, because then I guess you started Mike's Instagram account is that right uh, yeah I've been helping Mike uh, get a story out there uh, kind of both faded out like when a social media was kind of taken off so there's like endless throwback content on our uh, on the computer here but um yeah, just trying to get things going again and uh, just get the word out. Right on, man. That's great. 
So you're you're I, you're I just want to say, hey Dennis, you look like you've lost a lot of weight. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I still have the fish eye camera on. <laughs> uh, looks like we've all lost some weight. You guys are looking good, man. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Mike. Yeah. So you were telling me about that. It's like you sort of said that to you. You went, man, how fat was I? <laughs> <laughs> Old man status. Oh, man. Yeah. How long has it been? So, like, you just mentioned that uh, about the time that Mike stopped shaping, uh, social media didn't really exist. Like, maybe MySpace existed back then? I think there was, like, Twitter and stuff. I think Instagram was just start. I feel like Instagram called out around 2010, and uh-huh. I think that's when I think we kind of both faded out of the industry around then. Yeah, because you weren't just repping Uncle Mike. You were like West Wetsuits and a bunch of other stuff, right? Yeah, I was doing Creatures and Hoven and Ergo and um, I don't even know who else, but a handful of brands. Right on, man. And yeah. Mike said that you had been kind of bugging him over the years to make you a board. So how stoked were you to get that call? Uh, super stoked. So I was like constantly... Well, I mean, I've been reconnecting like over the last couple of years, but like, I mean, I kind of stopped surfing for about maybe five years. I just was like hunting and fishing. No way. Like totally yeah. stopped surfing? Yeah. Like I'd come out, like I'd be like the dude that showed up on the hurricane swell. And just came out. <laughs> <laughs> and just, I'd get like one glory barrel and then like go home for the rest of the hunting season. And then, uh, <laughs> and then just kind of packed it up. But then, uh, once I got back into it a couple of years ago, I was like, it was weird not having Mike's boards under me. Like I was, I didn't know what to do. Like, I didn't know what to ride. Like it was just weird going in a, I don't know. Like I've ridden his board since like 97, 98. So going into the shop to buy something different kind of felt weird. Yeah. What did you, uh, what did you end up going with? Um, well, I'm not going to mention the brand that felt normal. <laughs> but there was, but they, uh, but nah, there was, I, it was hard to narrow, narrow down things. I ended up here grabbing like a, a Pizel. And then my buddy, Brian Wynn made me a board and then we're just hitting up Mike every once in a while we were talking and I don't know, just kept on saying, uh, asking to make a board and the retirement was sinking in. And then, uh, and then he called me on Christmas this past, uh, year and was like when i get back home i'm gonna start making boards again so i was super stoked and i was like all right we're doing this right on man speaking of hunting i i called dennis when he was out stalking a deer and (laughs) and my and and, or no he called me it was a butt dial and and i answered and i started talking you know i'm going dennis dennis and he heard my voice in his pocket pulls the phone out he goes, I'm stalking a deer and starts talking real quiet and, and kind of like he's doing a, a narration of, of hunting and <laughs> it's pretty fun. <laughs> Wait, was that was that the call? Was that the moment? Yeah, you can take this one, Dennis. I, you I don't even remember, dude. I'm like like David Attenborough in the in the Amazon wilderness. He couldn't even focus on what you had just said. It didn't register till later. 
Yeah, yeah. He was walking me through his stock and what he was seeing and stuff like that. So I went on a hunt with him. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's great. So what are the what are the plans, man? I guess you're uh you're the unspoken uh marketing manager. Like you are you are you back in your original role? Like what's the plan? What are you doing? What's going on? Um kinda we, the people, the people want to know. The people want the scoop. Yeah, I kind of just doing it, um, whatever I can help out in whatever way. I mean, it's uh, it's Mike's art, it's Mike's craft. I'm just uh, trying to get the word out, kind of get some hype on it, just kind of get it organized and um, start selling it again. So, might be visiting your zone in the future, you know. So just um. You know, it's we're just getting rolling again, so it's still in the very beginning. But um, just looking forward to you know reconnecting with all the shops and all my you know friends like you up and down the coast, and just getting this thing rolling. Right on. You guys had a pretty good team roster back in the day, I remember. So walk me through some of the people that you guys were uh, sponsoring back then, because there were some really top level names as well as some like local heroes. Um, I remember back in the Outer Banks, I think you guys obviously flowed me a couple boards, uh, Morgan O'Connell. Well, well, we had, we got a lot of you know, kids that, that we sponsored, you know, through the years, like 30 years of this. So, you know, our first team riders was uh, Micah Pinman and Terry Naves. And we had Nate Wells and Chris Kelly affectionately known as Quizzy. And then there's this Bob Kelly. I don't know what he's doing on this list. He's, he's on there. And then there's uh, Ole Elagram, Blake Brinkoff, Davey Martin Jr., Micah Butes, Paco Diaz, Otto Flores, Jesse Wells, Sean Ward, Natalie Newell, John Daniels, Chris Abad, Willie Smith, Seth Christensen, Julian Wilson, Maddie Madison, Ian Brookwell, Chelsea or Chrissy Madison, Jenny Smith, Jamie Smith, Julia Christensen, Kyla Langan, Ashley Benedict, CJ Soto, Tori Moyer, Chelsea Porter, Ashley Brookwell. Justin Unsworth, Justin Quirk, Dustin Milney, Kolohe Andino, Nick and Gabe Garcia, Casey Doyle. You want you think of some there? Um, I know we had uh, Luke Detella. I mean, obviously Tom Curran and um, uh, Sean Madison. I remember you always hearing about back in the day, and then Scott McBride, and then Timogen. Did I did ripped? And then Rye Craig. Masadora. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Jim and Jim Masadora. And then uh, we had Rye at that one point on the boards. And then Dave Nelson and Clay Marzo and Tyler Moyer and Dion and the Townsend family, like Jai, Tosh, Peter. Well, back home here, we had like Billy Scott and Kevo, Kevin Defoney and Mark Richards over here and Sean Santiago and Brian Lees and Phil Gould from uh, like Virginia Zone and and then your hometown Morgan O'Connell. Yeah, 
from your neck of the woods. We had Wick Wire on the program for a little while from Florida, Cliff Capona, and then uh, I remember like Anthony Walsh was always charging. He had 2113 days, I believe he was uh, getting some boards. Cool. Man, that is that is extensive. Yeah, it's pretty heavy. We had, I mean, some amazing, talented guys on who we were building boards for. So yeah, we had a uh, big, big wave, Dave and Cannon too, also. Oh, yeah. Leave him out. We're going to have to do a completely different podcast just to like list all the team riders. Yeah. Guys all the guys that uh, <laughs> Mike built boards for, you could probably roll out in credit. well we'll we'll add those at the end of the podcast yeah so yeah there's just some amazing talented kids and 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 being like a kind of like a decade going by since the kind of when uh things faded out it's really cool to see how much how like far a lot of these younger guys have gone yeah you know like rob and like rob kelly you know he's close buddy of mine and seeing like how much he's done and like guys like cliff and just all these guys are like making such a big impact in the surf industry still it's pretty awesome that's wild man yeah and all all those guys you know they they all mean the same they you know we love all those guys that's cool. Have you had a big response? Like when you started posting stuff, Dennis, did you start to see like people start to kind of come out of the woodwork? Like what's going on right now? What, are people kind of freaking out? Are people putting in their orders? What's going on? Yeah, right now people are seem like super stoked that Uncle's back because like I must hear from everybody that I've like kind of reached out to just to like make sure it's cool to like post a photo of them or whatever, like a throwback on the on the gram there everyone's just constantly the same thing from everyone is uncle made me so many magic boards it's that's all i kind of it's almost on repeat from everybody and um oh like charlie stevens he's one that wasn't on the list everybody is constantly uh claiming you know how they had so many magic boards from mike so it's really cool to hear that and it just it builds a lot of like confidence for this next run getting boards back in the water and we've been getting a handful of orders coming in and um i know uh mike's been in the back in the shaping room so it's been pretty awesome i got some coming yeah man that's really cool mike you asked me earlier if i'd ever been on an x fish and i have been i remember now when i came out to visit you i was there for my buddy russell's uh bachelor party i think and you let me borrow an x-fish was it russell browning yeah russell brownlee yeah we came out there for his wedding um went down to baja first for like a week of hanging out and surfing and you gave me i almost 100 positive you gave me an x-fish to take and i threw a set of quads in there and i think future was even having like a demo day up in um del mar so i got it like some cool fins to try out and I think I actually pulled my first uh, reverse 360 down at lower trestles on that board. So thanks, buddy. Yeah, <laughs> no problem. The X-Fish has been like, that board is timeless. That thing was ahead of its time. It's like something that will work. Just I don't know. That board is amazing. Yeah, man. And then we were also talking about the uh, the round tail. What was it? Oh, that was uh, the flight tail that we designed. The flight tail. Dennis and I kind of went around a little bit about that one 
Uh, when I first designed it, you can ask Dennis what happened there. Uh, well, quads were like all the rage. I remember when Stretch came out with quads. Like, that, remember the Stretch quads were everybody? I had, yeah, I had a set of those. Yeah. So, so I was like, you know, I'm here in the sales end of it, and I'm like, I need a quad with a bat tail to keep up with Stretch. Like, that's what the people want. And Mike, of like, you know, he, uh, he kind of was like, nah, I'm not doing a bat tail. Cause like that's already been done. So I was kind of like, I was like, man, come on, just give me a bat tail on a quad and I can sell it. And he's like, nah, I got something cooler. I had this dream about a tail and <laughs> something. And then, so he like came out with that tail and then, um, it looked sick and, you know, and, it, and, uh, it was really cool and it worked really good. And, and we had our own little niche or something different than everybody else. So, I remember being stoked on that, but I, I remember fully pushing for the bat tail and then getting the, the flight tail instead, but right on. And that being a good deal and a handful of really well-known brands use it on their boards every day now. So cool. Let's hear some good dentist stories, Mike. Uh, you guys have been together for a long time and working together. Well, you, you want to hear some good boo riding stories where Dennis comes out here and for boo riding season. For what? what? <laughs> he comes out for boo riding season. What is that? What? It's riding the bamboo. Enlighten me. <laughs> so you, you climb, climb about, you tie a rope on the bamboo and you get about 50 feet up in the air. And when it when it's a good windy day and then when he's all set and strapped in, you know, with a Lucha Libre uh, cap on and uh, some pads and stuff and I cut him loose. <laughs> the annual boo riding rodeo yeah nate wells is into that he's a boo rider i think uh chris chris kelly was out here for boo riding <laughs> <laughs> and and maybe some crow hunting too crow uh, hunting the, the crow, crow hunting and boo riding yeah oh uh, yeah the whatever you do guns. what do you hunt the crows with with bb guns oh uh, yeah whatever you do never give uncle mike a twitter <laughs> Dude, uh, oh my gosh man it's so funny oh you gave him a twitter account yeah i let uncle mike have a twitter at one point and uh it, it was pretty hilarious <laughs> what was he tweeting just about killing crows <laughs> it's just <laughs> I'm, it's, it's, it's hilarious, yeah. It's, it's nonstop about just shooting crows and all sorts of crazy stuff. Dude. It's hilarious. So it had nothing to do with surfboards? No, nothing to do with surfboards. Just about him, how he had the Kelly brothers over there shooting crows. and It was funny, man. It was funny. I was When we were getting this thing started, I was just looking at old content, and I was just dying laughing. I was like, yeah, I'm running the Instagram. Don't let Mike on this thing. <laughs> oh, my God. Mike would have been canceled before, uh, you know, people were getting canceled. Before cancel culture was a thing. Yeah, yeah. Mike would have got canceled right away. I think we could probably give him credit for the hashtag triggered. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Such a renegade. Yeah. Stoked to get the boards back in the water. I mean, we're still in the very beginning. We've got a handful of new models coming out um mike's been you know just catching up with the times with the the whole uh different approach with 
groms these days don't even know anything about dimensions. They just know all they know is leaders and all that kind of stuff. So we're just kind of catching up with that stuff. And, and, um, Mike has a couple new designs in the works and just, I think in the, a year from now we'll be snowballing pretty good. Right on. Yeah, there's there's two new designs in the water today. Oh, oh yeah, they just got in the water today. Yeah, what what are they? Uh, you got the Tabusio. Yep, yeah, we touched on that the, earlier. And the updated essay. Yeah, but they they never were never went in the water. Josh was over here earlier this morning doing some shoots on them, and. Uh, and he couldn't wait to finish the shoot because one of the boys was his. He was the first guy to get to ride the Tabusio. Yeah, and then we have, um, <clears throat> uh, what do you call it? Uh, we got a Tabusio coming out for Rob Kelly to test. Um, he's hooked up with that perfect swell uh, with the wave pools and stuff. So he's going to be going out to Japan soon to test that out. No way. Yeah, so... Cool. The thing looks so sick. Like I kind of want one. All the kids are gonna want one, <laughs> dude. I want them all. Mike, that's another thing too. Is like Mike has so many boards that are good for today's market. That 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 we were had like ten years ago. That it kind of was like ahead of its time already. So it's not even that much of a catch up game with Mike's shapes because. The stuff he was doing back then, some of the stuff that was harder for me to sell 10 years ago, I feel like is a slam dunk now. Like just high performance twins and single fins and all that stuff was kind of back then. Everybody had to be super retro, but I remember just walking to a shop and like a twin or, you know, like Mike always had high performance hybrid type of stuff 10 years ago. And it was kind of hard to sell that, but now that's what everyone's riding. And, you know, just with a little bit more volume pushed through. Um, but uh, I'm super stoked to get, finally get some fresh sticks to walk in the shops with and and stuff like that in the future. So this year is going to be, it's looking pretty fun. Right on, man. Well, thanks for uh, joining the conversation. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing some boards on the East Coast. And hopefully you and I can get together and surf because it's been way too long and uh yeah, man. maybe we Miss can you, bud. combine it with some turkey hunting yeah dude Tur season's coming up yeah and some fishing i've been uh trying to cruise down to even to the north carolina crowd on that that drum bite with uh brett oh yeah we'll have to meet in the middle up in the outer banks and do, yeah. do some uh do some testing yeah that'd be awesome Right on, man. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll catch up with you later. And, yeah, take it easy, man. Good talking to you. See yes. you, Jay. Thanks. All right. See you, Dennis. Uncle Mike, that about wraps it up for us, man. I really appreciate you taking the time to come on today, and uh, it's good catching up with you. Hope to get a board under my feet soon. Do you have any last words for our listeners out there and everybody that's looking forward to the return of the UM? Well, I, I hope that uh... – Everyone's having a great time, and we all get through this stuff. Just keep having fun. Right on, man. Well, I'm super stoked that you're back in action. I think there's a lot of guys on both coasts that are familiar with your name that are going to be looking forward to getting some boards from you. So get ready for all those orders to start filling in. And uh, thanks again. 
Yeah, thank you. Yeah, man. I hope to see you sooner than later. Yeah, and if you're out here, we have a bunk room, so come on out and hang out with us. Yeah, man, for sure. That'd be super fun. But uh, until then, take it easy, and we'll see everyone else, hopefully, in the water. Yeah. All right. Well, I will talk to you soon. All right, buddy. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Another huge thanks to Uncle Mike for coming on the podcast today. Good catching up with my buddy Dennis. And if you are looking to snag an X fish or a flight tail or any of the other boards that Mike is offering up, you can literally text him at his number 760-908-8925. Once again, that's 760-908-8925 to order yourself up a custom Uncle Mike surfboard. And in the meantime, you can pop over to Instagram and check out Uncle Mike Walter to see some of the archived photos of old team riders and shapes and some classic photos of 1980s Uncle Mike in the Shaping Bay, as well as keep up with all the new stuff that's coming out in the near future. The song for this episode is an old one of mine called K-Mau from an album entitled The Phoenix and the Fish, featuring the didgeridoo. Not the same didgeridoo that I've carved out of Uncle Mike's backyard, probably, but a didgeridoo nonetheless. Check that out, and thanks again. Hit subscribe, and hopefully we'll see you in the water. Hey, is my uh, board ready yet?